Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel text, the text we will hear on this upcoming Sunday. And of course, this is the sixth Sunday of Easter, and here we are, you know, six weeks um, post-resurrection, and we're mm-hmm. still talking about the Easter season, because there is a lot to talk about as it relates to not only Christ's appearances um, to his disciples and his, and his followers, but also about what this new life means. So this really has been the thrust of our subject matter over the past six weeks, and it will continue to be the essence of what we talk about this evening. And I do say we, because I do welcome back Debbie Rosales into the studio. So Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. It's wonderful to be here. So, Debbie, this uh, sixth Sunday of Easter, um, we turn our attention to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, verses 23 to 29. And if you study the Gospel of John, (laughs) chapter 14 is very, very important. And I would even dare say verses 23 to 29 are as important as any verses in this Gospel if you're going to get to the heart of what John wants to teach us. And of course, this puts uh, this evening's program (laughs) front and center, because it's just that important. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away, and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, For the Father is greater than I. And now, I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. Amen. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So, Debbie, what peace is our Lord talking about here? I mean, is it the external peace uh, that would consist in an absence of wars and conflict between peoples and nations? Or or is it the interior peace? peace of the heart, of the person with himself and with God? Well, we know the answer to that because he essentially speaks to it. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the most fundamental peace. I mean, without this peace, no other peace can exist. It has been said by some, if you were to drop billions of gallons of dirty water into the ocean, is it going to make the ocean cleaner? Well, no, of course not, right? Um, in a more than similar way, is it possible for unclean hearts to bring about peace in the world? No, mm-hmm. no. And we must remember the centrality of that beatitude, Debbie, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That word there, 
pure in the Greek is hagnos, hagnos, clean, uh, not being mixed with something else, a kind mm. of single-heartedness in and with God. Uh, this is what's going on here. If we want to be peacemakers, we have to allow Christ to invade our souls, the purity of Christ to invade our souls through and through. This is what this is about, and this is very much what the word peace speaks to. The Hebrew shalom uh, translates as uh, well-being, covenant rest, certainty, glory, and even success. But above all that, really it is about the essence of God. I mean, those are the fruits that come from living in the very essence of God. So it's just not about Christ giving us peace as much as He's given us who He is, which is the incarnation of peace. Jesus Christ is actually giving to us God. I mean, let's put it that way. He's Mm -hmm. actually giving us God. And this is what Paul's talking about, the God of peace, the God that is peace. Uh, This is the, the Christian vision of peace. Now, to speak to this, Debbie is to very much speak to what the Trinity is all about, right? And what is the Trinity? Um, simply defined, the Trinity is love given, uh, love received, love shared. It is the lover, the loved, and the communion of that love. That is what the Trinity is, and this is what we abide in when we receive uh, this gift of peace. And so this is why this evening's program is so important, because peace, as the Catechism reminds us, Debbie, is a goal of the Christian life, right. a goal of the Christian life. Uh, Dante once said in his work, Divine Comedy, in his will is our peace. Um, there's a beautiful little quote from Thomas Aquinas. It says, mm. peace is nothing else but the tranquility arising from order. Mm. Wow. Yes. That's really beautiful. The order in our hearts. You know, when we have something on our soul's starts eating away with us. We've, we've sinned and we haven't gotten to confession. And, mm-hmm. and there's this regret. There's this, you know, longing that could be undone or unsaid or, or whatever. And we lack peace until we can get to that holy place of reconciliation with Christ through the sacrament of, of confession. Amen. And that brings back order, right? Yes. It brings yes. back order in our soul so that that peace can exude once more to our brothers and sisters and in our own in our own souls. Amen. And to that, Debbie, you know, what does Jesus preach there on the Sermon on the Mount? Effectively, a sermon which we can call a sermon on trust, right? Mm-hmm. Do not worry. Uh, do not be anxious. Uh, do not fear. He could have well said what he um, said today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Mm-hmm. The Greek there, as I often like to note, is best translated as do not be preoccupied. Mm. Now, what's going on there? Well, we are anxious about things. We worry about things. We are in fear about things because we are so preoccupied about often what we cannot control. Sure. Right? And Jesus says, take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Inhale the Holy Spirit and realize that in me, you will abide in peace. Because... It is in the worrying and the anxiety and the fear um, that we lose that sense of peace that you were just talking about, that sense of security, that sense of trust, that sense of um, well-being, covenant well-being. It's to remember that at its core, peace then is about, if we're going to talk about it within the context of covenant harmony with God and well-being, is relationship with God. Mm -hmm. That classic definition of covenant where it is just not 
you know, this is yours and this is mine, but I am yours and you are mine, this mutual reciprocity, this giving of self. This is what lies at the heart of the Christian vision of peace again. And so we need to be able to understand that because that is where trust comes in, Mm. right? If we are going to be secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to build up that relationship. And in doing so, what are you going to do? You're going to build up trust, Mm -hmm. right? And out from that trust, you're going to be more willing to be not afraid. Right. <laughs> You're going to be m- more willing to be courageous in all of the the storms and, and those trials that essentially encircle us every day, at least seemingly for some of us. And so we kind of pull back and we value um, what this vision of peace is all about. And I get this image of, you know, Jesus in the boat asleep. We've talked about this before. In the midst of that storm, that mm. hurricane, yes, that, yes. that huge storm, and he's sleeping peacefully. And it, it's such an image of, um, you know, Christ isn't promising us a worry-free life, a an uncomplicated life. He's not promising us that there won't be heartache and suffering. In fact, he's assuring us that those things will happen. Yep. What he is promising is that he'll never leave us, and that as we cling to him, and as uh, as the Holy Spirit and the Trinity dwells in our soul, that we will have peace amidst all those sufferings and trials and persecutions and um, hardships. And, and, and there's the key. That's the key. It you really know, is. Do you have peace during that? Or, mm-hmm. or are you at least um, open and seeking and calling out for our Lord to be with you and to give you his peace yeah. during those times? Yeah, I mean... We have all of these circumstances that surround us each and every day that weigh on us. Mm-hmm. And with Christ and in Christ, we look into the eye of those storms and we say, peace, be still. Mm-hmm. And that passage that comes to us from Mark four thirty nine: peace, be still. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you just put it so beautifully, Debbie, it's just not so much, it's not so much the absence of the conflict as right. much as how the conflict defines us, mm-hmm. which really casts a light on another point. Do we allow another person's weakness to dictate how we love? Or do we allow the absence of love that is around us to have us go deeper in our faith, to love with right. more love, to love with more sacrifice? Um, we have been talking about mercy a lot recently, Debbie. And one thing that is highlighted in our Lord's plan of divine mercy is that his mercy is attracted to brokenness. Oh, His yes. mercy is attracted to brokenness. So mm-hmm. if that is the case, which it is, and if we are going to be agents of mercy, then when we see brokenness, when we see woundedness, when we see the absence of love, are we attracted to it? Right. Or do we allow the absence of love, do we allow the brokenness and the wound to dictate how we are called to then be less than what God is calling us to be? Right. Again, it's peace. It's this covenant relationship with Jesus Christ that allows us to ultimately rise up and be uh, the saints that God is calling us to be. And we can, of course, only do this in His grace. There's um, a book that was published titled Last Letters from Stalingrad. Mm-hmm. No, they were letters by German soldiers who were awaiting the final Russian assault on Stalingrad, and, and they knew mm-hmm. they had it coming to them. They knew yeah. they were going to die. Right. So mm-hmm. they all had written letters, and in the last plane that left Stalingrad back to Germany, 
those letters made it onto the plane. And uh, in one of those letters, this is what one of the soldiers had to say in a letter to his parents. I am not afraid of death. My faith gives me this beautiful certainty. I am not afraid of death. My faith gives me this beautiful certainty. So here he knows death is on his doorstep. Mm -hmm. And he looks into the eye of the storm with that spiritual poise, that calmness. And he proclaims with with great boldness, I am not afraid of death because Christ has overcome death, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And in faith, I can proclaim this with certainty. Boy, is this not a witness to something I think profound. Because often those stormy circumstances that surround our everyday, Debbie, they really do overwhelm us. Mea culpa, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Um, And what if that storm was death itself, right? What if that storm was death itself? I mean, a lesson is to be learned that, yes, in the end, it is not about the thing that is going on around us that dictates our terms as much as it is my relationship with Jesus Christ that dictates um, who I am and and where where I'm going. I can do all things in Christ, in Christ yes. who Amen. strengthens me. Amen. And, you know, we either believe that or we don't. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, mea culpa as well, because I have to remind myself of that scripture from time to time, I think, as we all do. But the, in that remembrance, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not in this alone. Not mm-hmm. even close there's a power that surpasses any humanness, <clears throat> any human power that I could ever have that is, I am allowed to tap into in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and that is a comfort. Um, even if just for a few moments you shut your eyes and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Mm. That's, um, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. That, that is, uh, gosh, that's not enough. That's more than enough. Yeah. And to speak of power, Debbie, is to speak of what? But the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is the gift that he has given right. to us, right? This is what you are reading from the Gospel of John in chapter 14, this paraclete, this counselor, this, this advocate who really acts on our behalf. I mean, we are only good as we abide in the presence of the Holy Spirit right. because he is the protagonist of all good. And so by claiming this great power, the same power, Debbie, that raised Lazarus from the dead, the right. same power that created the universe, the yeah. same power that did all the great things that Jesus did is the power that he gave us. That's incredible it's to an, think of. It's an extraordinary yeah, thing. Extraordinary. It's an extraordinary thing in the truest sense. It's extraordinary. It's mm-hmm. metaphysical yeah. in the truest sense. And so this is what we claim. And this is why these verses are so central to the gospel of John, because this is what it's about. Right. I mean, the gift of the Holy Spirit is what the New Testament is about. When we read from the Gospel of Matthew, what does Jesus say? I have not come to abolish the prophets and the law, but to what? Fulfill them. Right. To fulfill them. And how does he fulfill them? Well, he perfects them in of himself, but he also gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit that we actually might share in the transformation of history, one soul at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, history is made up not of things and events, but persons. Right. As John Paul II liked to say, history is not a series of chronological events, but the event of freedom, mm-hmm. the event of the acting person saying yes to this good or, or no to that evil. Right? And so history is made up of, of persons. And uh, within the context of 
literally his story, right? right? God's story. We are made to see how we, invoking the gift of the Holy Spirit, literally transform history, because that's what we do when we share in the mission of Jesus Christ. You know, we have been commissioned. We have been sent forth with Christ and with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this lies at the heart of our vocation. So all that being said, Debbie, there's another reading for the sixth Sunday mm-hmm. of Easter, and that is what comes to us from Acts 15, verses 1 to 2, and then 22 to 29. And uh, Acts 15, we typically regard as the Council of Jerusalem. So I yeah. want to speak to that a little bit and then put it within the context of the gospel text. Some who had come down from Judea were instructing the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the Mosaic practice, you cannot be saved. Because there arose no little dissension and debate by Paul and Barnabas with them, it was decided that Paul, Barnabas, and some of the others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. The apostles and elders, in agreement with the whole church, decided to choose representatives and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. The ones chosen were Judas, who was called Barsabbas, and Silas, leaders among the brothers. And this is the letter delivered by them. The apostles and elders, your brothers to the brothers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia of Gentile origin, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number who went out without any mandate from us, have upset you with their teachings and disturbed your peace of mind. Hmm. We have with one accord decided to choose representatives and to send them to you along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have dedicated their lives to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are sending Judas and Silas, who will also convey this same message by word of mouth. It is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us not to place on you any burden beyond these necessities, Mm. namely to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, from blood, from meats of strangled animals, and from unlawful marriage. If you keep free of these, you will be doing what is right. Farewell. So what's going on here in Acts 15? Simply put, what you have is a question of doctrine. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Council of Jerusalem is the first church council, if you will, Debbie, and in it you have this debate. Uh, the main debate was between uh, circumcision and baptism. Um, should the Gentiles be circumcised? Right. Well, no, because the whole idea is Christ came to establish the new covenant, and what we were just talking about, um, the new covenant is about the gift of the Holy Spirit and this new life in Christ. Here mm-hmm. we are talking about new life, right? New life in Christ. And so it's no longer about the external law of circumcision of the Old Testament, but now the interior law of the new covenant and, of course, the gift of baptism. Mm -hmm. So you had the old law of circumcision and the new law of baptism. And this was the debate they settled. Peter, Paul, Barnabas, it was James that uh, stood up. We didn't get that in that reading per se, but James stands up and he quotes the prophet Amos. Amos talking about the kingdom of David and that in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of David has been reestablished, and it has been reestablished as a sacramental kingdom. So henceforth, <laughs> the church as we know it has not been abolished again, but fulfilled and transformed in God's covenant love and grace. And so this was quintessential. Why are we talking about this, and why is this all so important for us to come to understand and appreciate? Well, quite simply, 
what is baptism? But the chief sacrament of the church, because in it we are incorporated into the very life of Christ. And moreover, as Paul reminds us in Romans 8.15, it is the gift that is given to us that empowers us to cry, what? Abba, Abba Father. Father. Mm-hmm. I think we were talking about this, Debbie, the last time we were together. This passage, so, yes. I think, I think we, I think uh-huh. we were, because we made the point that it, it is not that the spirit of slavery in which we fall back into fear, but the spirit of adoption which we cry, Abba, Father, mm-hmm. right? So we've been given this gift to cry, Abba, Father, and we can do so because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of this love that is shared between the Father and the Son, this gift, Debbie, of peace. Mm-hmm. Peace is the fruit of everything that we're talking about as it relates to the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so important. And I love that they meant, you know, in the letter that the apostles send to the Gentiles. Yes, yes. I love that he's, he's, he's asking forgiveness, actually, that there was someone who went out on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, no mandate from us. They, they didn't speak on authority of the church. And that they disturbed your peace. Yes, yes. I thought that was just so beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, that they recognized... The teachings of Christ should not disturb your peace unless you are not living in a life of grace, of course. Then they should be, you know, pricking your conscience uh, mm-hmm, a bit. Mm-hmm. But, but no, the teachings of Christ just wash you with peace and, mm-hmm. and mercy. You know, you, you hear a reading at Mass and it, you just go, oh, gosh, that's just the most beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying... Gosh, we're sorry that happened because uh-huh. that wasn't the teaching of the church. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it's to remember that Satan's name literally means confusion, uh-huh. to, to scatter. We were talking recently, Debbie, that you know Mary, in, in the find of Jesus in the temple episode, she was pondering in her heart all the things that had happened. Mm-hmm. The Greek is um, symbio. It means to bring together, mm-hmm. literally, right? To bring together and to weigh and to balance, it's really the perfect word that describes discernment. Now, its counter is what? The diabolo. Diabolo is the Greek root for what? Diabolical, Mm -hmm. what is evil. It literally translates as to scatter. So here you have Mary pondering in this symbia, which means to bring together, and she's doing so so as to avoid that confusion. She counters Satan's temptation with this symbio. And so we have to be on guard against that uh, scattered confusion, that restlessness that comes about by giving in to our Lord's uh, temptations. What does Paul say? Put on the armor of God Mm -hmm. because Satan is busy trying to devour you whole. Part of that armor is prayer and one who is in discernment. And when you are in that space, when you're abiding in the presence of God that way, you will be at peace. And again, this is, this is what we seek. It goes back to what Dante says. I mean, in his will is our peace. Mm-hmm. Isn't discernment about coming to understand God's, God's will, will in our life, mm-hmm. right? In right. his will is our peace. In his will is the calm. Mm-hmm. Even if there's things around us that aren't going the way we'd like or the way we'd hope for. No, God wants to use that for his greater glory. And thank God they don't always go the way we want. Hmm. Praise God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, because if that were the case, then life would just be far too easy. (laughs) We have to remember something. You know, it is in our nature, right, to 
desire to be complacent. It is in our nature to desire to be comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. It is supernatural to uh, be uncomfortable. It is supernatural to not be complacent. And this is why we invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? I love I love this. St. Gregory the Great said, The proof of love is one's actions. Mm-hmm. Love for God is never lazy. If it is present, it accomplishes great things. Mm-hmm. If it refuses to work, it is not love. That is beautiful. That, that is. is really beautiful. That is. Kind of the proof is in the pudding kind of thing. And uh, when we go all in for God, that lack of fear, because we're we're relying on him, then we can accomplish great things in him. Yeah. Not for our glory, but for his. And that whole perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. So I think that's what Gregory's saying here. Yep. You know? Yeah, beautifully. It's not love if yeah. it's not worked in action. Yeah, you know, we come to understand something. And we think, Debbie, that we possess God in the understanding of something. We're convinced by it, in fact. So much so that understanding becomes enough. Right. But in the end, <laughs> if it is the divine life of God that lives within you, that love is sacrificial. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what Jesus teaches us. So that means... We can only possess God if we give God away. This is the great paradox of uh, the Christian Catholic faith. We can only possess God to, to the degree that we actually give God away. So understanding is never enough. And the great danger is to slip into this mindset that, well, now I've, that I've attained understanding of something as it relates to the Christian faith, ah, I can be at peace. No. <laughs> Take that understanding and now integrate it into your life. And the more you donate your life to your brothers and sisters in Christ, the more love you will receive. Right. And that's quintessential to what the gospel wants us to see. And this certainly is what lies at the heart of our reflection. Any closing thoughts? I just, I read this this morning and it was just beautiful. I think it was Carol Houselander, uh, an mm. English woman. Yes, yes. Um, beautiful works. She's had some beautiful works. And she said in there, the one essential for sanctity is the capacity for love to bear Christ to the world. And that is all that we shall be asked. Amen. With that, we'll close in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 530 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.